The presenting partner of this episode of Mamma Mia Out Loud is Nivea Cellula. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. Welcome to Mamma Mia Out Loud. It's what women are talking about on Monday, the 5th of December. I'm Holly Wainwright. I'm Mia Friedman. And I'm Emma Gillespie, filling in for Jessie Stevens. Jessie is poorly today, like many people in our world seem to be a bit poorly at the minute. So big love and hot drinks, if that's you. Tea, lots of tea. And shout out to everyone with a 100-day cough. On the show today, are you Team Sussex or Team Wales? Apparently, we have to pick a side and where you land will tell us exactly how old you are. Plus, in perhaps her most impressive makeover ever, Barbie is now a feminist icon of inclusion. How did that happen? Also, what will it take to turn the volume down on Kanye West? But first... In case you missed it, Brittany Higgins released a statement over the weekend. It's her first public statement since the Bruce Lemon trial was abandoned on Friday. Brittany Higgins posted on Instagram yesterday addressing the justice system, the way she was treated throughout the process of trying her accused rapist, and the overall treatment of complainants within the legal system. Part of her statement read, I chose to speak up, to speak up against rape, to speak up against injustice, to speak up and share my experiences with others. I told the truth, no matter how uncomfortable or unflattering to the court. The outcome does not affect the truth. When I did speak up, I never fully understood our asymmetrical criminal justice system, but I do now. I was required to tell the truth under oath over a week on the witness stand and was cross-examined at length. He was afforded the choice of staying silent in court, head down in a notebook completely detached. He never faced one question in court about his story and the criminal charges. I was required to surrender my telephones, my passwords, messages, photos and my data. He was not required to produce his telephone, his passwords, messages, photos or his data. My life was publicly scrutinised, open for the world to see. His was not. She then went on to thank those who rallied behind her, the DPP, health workers, legal team, family and friends, and the court and officers who she says treated her with care and respect. There are also reports that Brittany is likely to proceed with a civil case, which means suing for what's said to be around $3 million. And she's said to be suing two federal ministers, including Linda Reynolds, for whom she worked at the time, and Senator Michaelia Cash, who she worked for afterwards. That statement is actually the speech 
or a version of the speech that Brittany gave outside court on the day that the trial was first dismissed because of juror misconduct. And at that time, that speech was initially posted in lots of places, but then was quickly removed Mm. because Lerman's lawyers flagged that they were going to complain about that as being contempt because it very much was her side of the story and making it feel as if it was assuming certain things about what had happened that were still before the courts. So it was sort of silenced and taken away. And it's telling that as devastating as the abandonment of this case has been, she obviously wanted to make sure that got out there and that that was absolutely seen. It's also worth noting that people are saying that they think Lerman is also going to launch his own civil suit suing as well. So it looks unlikely that we have seen the end of this case. Let's talk about royals, please. Let's talk about Harry and Meg. Let's talk about all the good things and the good things that make them. Let's talk about royals. Tell me how you feel about Prince Harry and Meghan Markle and I'll tell you how old you are. Oh, I love this. This is a broad theory, but one that's been playing out over the past week. And seeing this spelled out, and I'll I'll read it for you in a moment, the writer who has coined this theory made me go, ah. I really see that all around me. For a bit of context, over the past few days, the battle lines have been well and truly drawn between Princes Harry and William and their houses of Sussex and Wales. The Waleses have been touring America. So that's William and Kate, who are now the Prince and Princess of Wales. They have been touring America. It's been a bit patchy, their reception. It's also been a bit awkward because they were on about day three of their tour when Harry and Meghan... Well, they didn't. Netflix released the trailer for their forthcoming documentary series that we talked about on Friday and that I am beside myself about. And it was around about the same time that we found out that William's godmother, a little bit racist. Massive racist. Big racist times, yes. Lady in waiting who has been forced to resign after making racist comments to a charity leader at a Buckingham Palace function. So lots of mixed press for this lot at the moment. But Wills and Kate rocked up to a big environmental ball in Boston at the weekend with the glamour turned up to 11. Tomorrow, Harry and Megs are going to do the same. They're accepting an award for their humanitarian work at one of the fanciest charity galas of the year, the John F. Kennedy Human Rights Foundation Awards in New York City. It's very posh. Many words have been written about these two teams. What humanitarian work do they do? Sorry, tangent. So the Ripple of Hope Award is going to be awarded to them in recognition of their heroic fight against the royal family's structural racism. I think that's a little bit outrageous, to be honest, because I don't think we have any proof of structural racism. I mean, if there is... Structural racism is very different to a couple of comments that are made. I'm not excusing those comments, but, and maybe there is structural racism, but so far to my knowledge, all they've done is give an interview to Oprah where they've made some claims that someone said, you know, well, made I allusions. Think the whole, so I'm not, I'm not, I'm just saying, I don't know if they need an award for saying, his family is shitty. It certainly started a conversation about historic racism at the very least within sure. the British Empire. I get like that. Colonialism, but I just imperialism. don't think when you look at what humanitarians are and people who work tirelessly for charities and the betterment of others, I don't necessarily think that they tick that box. But I'm not on the judging committee for this We got to reward. this part of the conversation way faster than I thought we would. Luckily for me, the argument you two are having right now 
perfectly illustrates the point I'm about to make. <laughs> she set us up, Mia. Because these words were written by Amanda Foreman. Now, she's a royal writer. She has a newsletter. She wrote this piece about the Sussex versus the Wales. Lots of column inches have been written about this over the weekend. But I really like this point she makes about how you feel about them is very generational. And that is backed up by research, right? So, When you survey in Britain and in America how people feel about the royal family, there is a generational divide in how people feel about Harry and Meg's. And her point in this article is that Harry and Meghan might know that they're very unpopular among slightly older generations, but they don't really care because the younger ones are more lucrative. But anyway, let me just explain these lines to you. The Waleses, Amanda Foreman writes, offer the world a fixed basket of virtues, duty, probity, which is basically duty to, it's like sticking to your moral compass, discipline, decency, discretion, loyalty, and commitment. These are worthy ones, she says, and also totally and fatally in step with the values of the over 40 crowd, baby boomers, Gen X, and some millennials. But the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, Harry and Meghan, are dealers in today's currency, Self-actualization, self-healing, self-identity, self-care, self-expression, self-confidence, self. and self-love. And yes. self-queen. Is that true? And selfish. Yeah. Sorry. <gasps> oh yeah, I God. do think it's really true. And I should say I'm a Republican through and through. I would never describe myself as a monarchist or a royalist. But I have to say I have a huge amount of sympathy I have sympathy for everyone, I have to say. I think that I have a lot of sympathy for Harry. I have sympathy for the racism and the scrutiny that Meghan Markle has endured. I do. I absolutely have sympathy for her. I also have sympathy for William and Kate who can't bite back, who can't really do an Oprah interview. I mean, in actual fact, they could and maybe they should, it could be argued. But they don't have the luxury of being able to burn down the house because they're still inside it and their children are inside it and their children's future also depends on the house not being burnt down. So I feel like it's not very equal when two people are on the outside throwing rocks and the two people on the inside kind of can't defend themselves without... The two people on the inside, to me, can throw some water on the fire. I think Mm. they can fill the buckets up and put a little (laughs) bit of water on the flames. What would that look like, Em? I just think what it boils down to for me is that I would rather see, and maybe millennials and Gen Zs would rather see someone be vulnerable and emotional and open and honest, and yes, sometimes that means being really earnest or even being too much or annoying and cringy, which, you know, I do side with Meghan and Harry Mm. more often than not, but I do also find them insufferable sometimes. Trees in the home in Montecito that were the representation of their love. Because they grew out of one. Because we grew out of, you know, the double cherry stem, whatever, blah, blah. But I would rather see that than this sort of stoic, concrete, dutiful, Will and Kate approach because I don't think they have to be like that. I completely respect that they have to toe a certain line and they have the duty and the job to uphold, but I just don't believe that they couldn't temper a lot of this with a little bit of honesty and vulnerability. But the thing is, is to do that, they would have to do, as Mia's suggesting, and I mean, it's probably going to be in the works of some kind, some kind of truth-telling 
of their own, right? Mm. And anything they do, any bite back they do just stokes this fire. And the thing is, is I think traditionally the royals do not air dirty laundry in public. They do not do that, right? And so Wills and Kate and Charles and that side of the family are trying to hold on to this as a deep-held cultural core value. And the thing is, is it's a losing battle because the world has moved on. Yeah. So even though it's funny because I very much agree with this generational divide in terms of when I look around me and I talk to people my age, so many of them are so frustrated with Meghan and Harry. And the frustration is about the talking. They're just like, stop it. Stop it already. <laughs> stop whinging. Stop whining. Just then we'd get on with it. Just show us what you're doing, right? Very true. But the thing is, is the young people I know feel like you do, Em, where they're like, no, tell us more. Tell us your truth. We've moved on from a world of stoic silence. Yeah. And it made me giggle yesterday to see a report that came out that said the royals aren't worried about Harry and Meghan's documentary because there are no revelations, there are no bombs, there are no terrible mm. things that they can say because nothing happened. That's basically their position. And they said, and I love this, that they found the whole idea wearying. Yeah. As in just like, <laughs> oh, God, oh, how shady. God. But I feel the same way because if they were just talking about their love and talking about things other than the sort of the self-pity that they it seems like they've built their brand on. I mean, Harry, I understand. We've all seen what he's been through, some of what he's been through in terms of losing his mother, being the spare to the throne. That's got to be weird. But, but at Megan's what point, her father, essentially. But at what point do you have to say, is it also whole brand resilience versus brand snowflake? And that sounds really harsh. No, I know what you mean. But you know what I mean? Like, stop crying. You've got hundreds of millions of dollars from Spotify and Netflix and stuff. Don't need to keep crying, you a river. But I don't understand. You're Get on with the, it. You're the generation that saw what happened to Diana. So yeah. what I can never understand about this generational divide, which I do think the lines have been drawn and you're absolutely right, Hole, with this theory, but why? You saw what happened to Diana and then my generation, we saw what was happening to Megan and, and made the association, but that doesn't seem to like resonate with you in the way that I thought it would. We did see that. And our generation, I think, not to speak on behalf of all of us, but we've also come around. I mean, we hated Camilla. We hated Charles. Mm. But over the last 25 more years, we've come around to have a respect for the way they have carried on, the way they have conducted themselves. And that sounds so old fashioned, but their relationship, for the way she's behaved in public, for their resilience. Like you've got to admire that and the same with the Queen. You nailed it, Mia, when you said team resilience versus team snowflake. And I don't say that with judgment going, yeah, like I'm team resilience. I just mm. think that that is accurate for the way that in the same way that we like to see culture wars in everything now, we want to see a culture war in this rift in the royal family and it's being handed to us on a platter the way that it's played out because identities in there – there's also a lot of actual just juicy gossip in there, which the young people also love, of course, in terms of a love story that tore two brothers apart. I think that without question, it's Team Resilience versus Team Snowflake. But I think Team Snowflake's going to win that. So in a way, Team Resilience needs to figure out how to get a little bit more flaky themselves. 
I think team resilience needs to figure out how to feel because for me it's team feelings versus team we're afraid to talk about our feelings. But imagine if William came out and started talking about how he feels about the fact that his little brother is throwing shit at his family. Oh, I would have so much more time for him if he did that. It would just blow things up more and more and more and somebody has to say, stop. The current strategy is not working though. I agree with you. It's not working. I don't know what they're going to do. In case you missed it, we have been travelling around the country on lots of flights, wearing lots of makeup, putting it on, taking it off, for our Mamma Mia Out Loud live shows presented by Nivea Salilla. And all of that wear and tear on our face means that we really have to give our skin some extra TLC. And if you're not an expert, because I'm not an expert when it comes mm-hmm. to skincare, but the thing that I love about Nivea is that, yeah, they've got a handy quiz to help you work out what products are your best fit. So... There are two ranges, the Nivea Cellular Expert Lift and the Nivea Cellular Expert Filler. And basically, the quiz can be found in the show notes, so you can jump in and have a go and find out what range is best for your current skincare goals. I'm an expert lift, mm, and so is Mia, and you're an expert filler. Jessie, I did absolutely you know that? am. And the thing is, is it really is just the most nourishing, really helpful, does what it says it's going to do, yep. skincare. And we've been loving it sick as we've been travelling around. Nivea Cellular Expert Range, your anti-ageing expert. Hiya, Bobby. Hi, Ken. You want to go for a ride? Sure, Ken. Jump in. From Fashion Week runways to your local H&M and Zara, hot pink clothes are everywhere. Valentino most notably led the charge on this one early with candy pink everything and it's sort of been accompanied by a general in-your-faceness, which is a fashion statement slash trend that's been dubbed Barbie core. We have a heart on her finger because Barbie loves love. Barbie is inclusive, Barbie is smart, and Barbie loves pink most of all. It coincides with the Barbie movie that's coming out about mid-2023, Margot Robbie, Ryan Gosling, but it's not just the movie that's really driven this trend. The Barbie core aesthetic was initially seen as a total rejection of the way we dress and the way that we felt during lockdown. So, you know, if your pandemic style and I use the word style loosely, was trackies and a messy bun. (laughs) Your Barbie core look is the complete opposite. So over-the-top makeup, glitter, chul, chunky heels, short skirts, super long nails, colourful eyelashes, anything that sort of falls into the category of extraness. Like Barbie. Yeah. But Barbie core isn't just hot pink clothes. It's more than what we choose to wear. It's actually about rejecting a muted version of femininity in favour of boldness. Okay, this is where you've lost me. This is where you've lost me, Em. Oh, I'm out. No, I hang in there. It tells us something new about beauty standards, challenging stereotypes, and how we've all changed, including Barbie herself. So, sure, Barbie of the 90s and the noughties might have been the one-note, size-six blonde whose life revolved around her hot boyfriend, Ken, and she had a physical build so impossible that her own spine couldn't support holding up the weight of her head. Mm. But the Barbie of 2022 has diversified. She's a doctor. She's a vet. She doesn't need Ken. She's black. (laughs) She's lots of different races. She has jobs. If you go to a toy store now and you look at the Barbies on offer, you would be hard-pressed to find a Barbie that wasn't 
like a career themed Barbie. I'm going to look this up while you're talking. For my birthday a few years ago, my mum gave me a Barbie, which came with a twin set. And one of the Barbies was a journalist with like a press lanyard on and a microphone. And the other Barbie had like a camera and she was the camera lady to that Barbie journalist. But there's an article in Business Insider, which goes even deeper into this Barbie core analysis. And Business Insider is a very clever publication. So you know that it's clever. It's headlined, Barbie Core isn't just the summer's hottest trend, it's a Gen Z and millennial statement on diversity and feminism. Gen Z and millennials, specifically young women in their 20s and 30s, are leading a fashion movement defined by in-your-face pinks. The bimbo aesthetic, an ode to Barbie, is making waves and highlighting in a loud colour how feminism, diversity and even global politics intersect. Because we're saying it's a statement on feminism. Is it ironic? It's saying that you know, what girl wasn't dismissed at one point or another in her life for loving hot pink, for that being really cliched? Remember like when we spoke blonde. about the, yes, Elle Woods is the perfect example well, of Barbie I found Barbie Firefighter clothes. Barbie. Well, there you but go. But there's a lot of sort of ballet Barbie and superstar Barbie and But do you remember when Barbies. we spoke about bimboism and sort of redefining what yeah. bimboism was? It's basically saying that you can wear a hot pink power suit to work and that doesn't mean that you're okay. A silly so it's girl. like legally blonde. Okay, so this is we've got a, a very funny example of this very close to home because the Mamma Mia Christmas party is this week, and we've got a sprinkling of Gen Xs, we've got a large number of Gen Zs, and we've got a decent number of Millennials, probably the rest. The Gen Zs all voted for the theme for the Christmas party to be Barbie core, but the Gen Xs were a bit like wait, what? We feel that's not necessarily on brand because I don't think we understood yeah. what Barbie core means now. Because I think you see the words Barbie core and you probably think that means encouraging everyone to put on a blonde wig and wear like a tiny dress and pretend to be a Barbie doll. But it's yeah. not that. When I was a kid, my mum would not let me have Barbie dolls because my mum is a staunch second wave feminist who deeply believed that Barbie dolls and Cindy dolls, which are like a cousin of them in Britain in particular, were very bad for women, not just because of the long legs and everything, but, you know, my mom was always like, why would you play with things that just enforce, <laughs> my God, it's so funny now when I think about it, but just enforce feminine stereotypes. She wouldn't let me have toy kitchens or toy ironing boards or baby dolls where you would change their nappies. My mom wouldn't let me have any of that stuff, right? She was very much, that is bad for you, that mm. is bad for women. I wanted Barbies and Cindy's so badly that I would take my friend's cast off ones, the ones that they'd like cut all their hair off and give them oh tattoos God. with biros and things <laughs> yeah, and rehabilitate them to be my Barbie dolls and then hide them from my feminist mother. <laughs> That's so Some people funny, hide Hull. drugs from their parents, others hide Barbie dolls. <gasps> I will never forget when my nana brought me a big squishy pink baby doll, like one that, you, you know, that cries, yeah. wah, wah, and, you know, and gave it to me for Christmas in front of my mom and my mom just losing her shit, right? So I'm sure that I have over the years internalized many things about Barbie dolls, but I find it hilarious. I think it's great that Barbie now has many different jobs and I know she's actually had that for a really long time. And I'm also very glad that Barbie is diversifies physically and now comes in a range of colours and some different body shapes. Barbie core is less about the doll and more about 
the pink, the candy, electric, hot, hot pink. Uh. And the idea that pink meant dumb, Barbie core is sort of saying anyone can take part in this aesthetic. Mm. And maybe this aesthetic was reserved 20 years ago for the like stereotypical mm. skinny blonde white girl who might yeah. be Barbie looking, but it's having fun with it and it's expanding that notion of femininity and identity to be more inclusive. It's saying you don't get to own this Barbie. We're taking it back. You don't own this aesthetic because I'm a millennial and Gen Zs like to bring everyone down. Barbie Core Pink is supposed to be a snub to millennial pink, which is the previously in vogue soft hue that was supposed to define a generation. Oh, I see. Mm. Well, I do like hot pink. So hot pink is back to diss the millennials, <laughs> make the Gen Xs feel uncomfortable. I like. Yeah. I mean, this is exactly what young people are meant to be doing, to be honest. Here for it. If you want unlimited access to Outloud, we release ad-free segments on Tuesdays and Thursdays. They're the kinds of things that are a little bit personal, a little bit more, you know, juicy, perhaps. They are just for Mamma Mia subscribers and you can unlock access, including the back catalogue of over 150 subscriber-exclusive episodes by following the link in the show notes. And a big thank you to all our current subscribers. We love you. Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. Like a lot of people, we feel torn about whether or not to cover the abhorrent, truly shocking things that rapper Kanye West has been saying over the past few days. We don't want to amplify his disgusting remarks, but we also don't want to ignore them because, well, because personally, I never want people to stop being shocked when someone says that they like Nazis or that Hitler was a good guy. And sadly, shockingly, that is where we're at at the end of 2022. We're at the place where the President of the United States yesterday had to release a statement that said, I just want to make a few things clear. The Holocaust happened. Hitler was a demonic figure. And instead of giving it a platform, our political leaders should be calling out and rejecting anti-Semitism wherever it hides. Silence is complicity. This statement was in response to an interview that Kanye West did with a man named Alex Jones, the one who's claimed for years that the Sandy Hook massacre never Mm. happened and that the parents of the dozens of kindergarten children who were killed are all making it up. So Kanye went on Alex Jones's show along with a white supremacist new friend he's made called Nick Fuentes and Milo Yiannopoulos, who you may remember for making jokes and excusing pedophilia and generally being a fairly abhorrent he was person as well. from entering Australia, wasn't he? Yeah, I yeah. think he was. So Kanye went on Alex Jones's show wearing a black hood and he said this. I, there, there's a lot of things that I love about Hitler. 
a lot of things. I see good things about Hitler also. You can't say out loud that this person ever did anything good, and I'm done with that. I'm done with the classifications. Every human being has something of value that they brought to the table, especially Hitler. I love Jewish people, but I also love Nazis. I'm not done with classifications. Kanye West, you are an abhorrent grub. This is a day after posting a swastika to his Twitter account and being suspended from Twitter by Elon Musk, who apparently just found his red line as a free speech absolutist, which is what he calls himself. And just to recap, the Holocaust was the systematic murder of six million Jewish people and gay people and people with disabilities, but mostly Jewish people during World War II by Hitler and the Nazis. They were rounded up like cattle sent to concentration camps, some of them were experimented on, and then they were put to death in gas chambers, men and women and children, millions of them. I'm Jewish, but I would hope dearly that you don't have to be Jewish to be horrified by the mainstreaming of this kind of hardcore anti-Semitism and hate speech by one of the most famous men in the world. The question is, though, what do we do with this? What do we do with it? Do we ignore him? Do we report on it? It is a little bit hard to ignore it when He launched his 2024 campaign to be US president yesterday and he had dinner with Donald Trump last week. So, Hol, what on earth should happen now? How do you mute someone who's so abhorrent? This is really difficult because Kanye has been cancelled, right, but he refuses to go away. And what do you do with an extremist who won't shut up? So he's been sanctioned like a country gets sanctioned when they do something terrible. People have tried to cut off his economic supply. So Adidas has dumped him. The Gap has dumped him. Balenciaga has dumped him. His agents, his big Hollywood agents, CAA, have dumped him. He's been disowned by famous friends. He's been deplatformed by every credible media platform, now including Twitter. But still, he won't go away. So what do you do when somebody refuses to shut up? And so I've seen lots of people say how depressing it is, as you Mm. pointed out at the beginning, Mia, that in 2022, the president of the United States should have to release a tweet that says the Holocaust happened. And I wonder if one of the things you do have to do in the face of this kind of disinformation that can't be regulated, it's not like major media organizations are platforming him anymore, giving him a chance to say this. It's all rogue YouTubers, rogue parlor people, who are doing it. And even then, Google and YouTube and those are trying to take down those clips, censor them, but you can't. Yeah, clips and interviews from people who appeal to some of the most vulnerable yeah. members of society who are vulnerable to that radicalization. And also evil. They're not just vulnerable. There's oh, also yeah, evil of people. course, of right. no doubt about it. And extremism is on the rise, and everyone will say that, that at the moment, no question. And Kanye's Alex Jones interview has had 3 million views. Apparently, Alex Jones' usual YouTube interviews only get between 10,000 and maybe a million if they're doing something really controversial. So a lot of people are seeing this. Nick Fuentes platforming people like him. I mean, I just don't know what you do, though, because the Mm. microphone has been taken, but he just won't stop talking. The microphone has been taken. The volume is still up some. I think it falls on the fans or what's left of the fan base for Kanye West to really see him teeter out. And we've spoken about this before. Everyone persists with the, but he's a creative genius Mm. line. And when do we, the fans, take that on and decide as a collective to drop that, to cut that shit? Because like, 
I loved Kanye West. In high school, he would have been my most played artist. On the way to and from school, every day, on repeat, Kanye West adored him. And I was in that initial wave of, but he's a genius, but he is Mm. a genius, but he's a genius. I stopped listening to him. I stopped listening to Michael Jackson. It gets to a point where you can't separate Mm. the allegations from the person. And that takes away from even just being able to selfishly enjoy the music. But I think we're seeing it happen. Something happened with the fans over the weekend who decided to take it upon themselves to drown out the Kanye chatter, the Taylor Swift fans, the Swifties. And it turns out there's actually more of a crossover base with Kanye fans and Taylor Swift fans than we might have originally thought. So there's a Kanye Reddit page which has more than 700,000 subscribers. This is basically a big online forum where Mm. anyone can go to talk about Kanye-related stuff. So whether that's, you know, dissecting his music or talking about his behaviour in the media, it's turned into a Taylor Swift appreciation page. (laughs) So someone posted... (laughs) Right after the Alex Jones story came out saying, this is now a Taylor Swift subreddit. We had a good run, fellas. So obviously someone who's got the self-reflection to say, okay, it's done. Let's give it back. There's 33,000 upvotes on that one statement and comments immediately came out rallying around Taylor Swift, some confessing that they had disliked her because of the Kanye West Taylor Swift beef and that that was misguided. So that's long, long running. Ever since she won an MTV award when she was 19 years old and he got up on stage. I'm really happy for you. I'm let you finish. But Beyonce had one of the best videos of all time. And that sort of started again, a war that she did not want to be part of and kept trying to extricate herself from. But he then wrote, even as recently as a few years ago, a song saying, I feel like me and Taylor might still have sex. Why? I made that bitch famous. Goddamn. I made that bitch famous. He's just been vile. So there's been very much a war between the Kanye West fans and the Swifties. So this is the ultimate in the people speaking. Yeah, and especially for it to come from his people, this 700,000-strong fan base on Reddit who are saying, oh, my God, he has crossed such a line now. We're giving this page back. And not only that, but we're giving this page back to his long-term enemy. I think what's happening with him now has gone further than just, like, don't listen to Kanye in the car anymore. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think it's that. I think somebody literally needs to step in and section that man, right? Like they really do. They need to remove him from the conversation. But you can't section someone and I I just won't keep hearing, oh, he's mentally ill, he's mentally ill. Like it's hard to unscramble the egg. But there are a lot of people with mental illness who don't go around saying Hitler was a good guy. I think he has been radicalised. But he obviously is mentally ill. And I think these are his beliefs. I think these are now his beliefs. He's been radicalised, which is a different thing. He's clearly been talking about this stuff for a long time now. He's not having just a psychotic break or a single episode. He is mentally ill and But was, an was Hitler mentally ill? Were the Nazis yes. mentally ill? I believe that a large part of the fact that three million people are watching the Alec Jones clip is the excitement of seeing a once respected famous person go literally mad in front of your eyes, mm. sitting there with a mask over their face saying abhorrent, terrifying shit. People can't look away. It's not giving him a pass to say that somebody needs to step in and take him somewhere. People have been taken away and put in clinics for a lot less. Like, I don't want to be flippant about that. There's something about watching him sort of set fire to everything around him that is mesmerizing to people. And it shouldn't be, but it is.
recommendation that Em and I share, actually. It's a joint recommendation for a show on Stan that I remember for a really long time ago. It was called The L Word, starred Jennifer Beals, and it was about a group of lesbians in LA. Many years later, it's been revived, and it is The L Word Generation Q. Are you in love with me? Is that what you were going to say? <sighs> that you're in love with me? Just answer the question. When I'm alone, I like to play with fire. You're single, then in LA. This could be my hoe phase. <sighs> we should just move in together. Let me talk to Nat. We date each other and we date other people. Can't get my fear of the flight. It's the kind of sapphic chaos I live for. It's so on glad. stand. There are three seasons. I'm halfway through season two. I am loving this show sick. Emma, you? I love it. I've just started because I saw all the hype for season three coming back and I thought, oh, my yeah. God, I've missed this. There's a third season. So I've gone back to the very beginning. All these incredible queer characters living their life, mm. love, heartbreak, career, setbacks, success. The cast are incredible. I've never seen the original L Word, so I'm not sure how it sort of compares or if there's carryover. The three main characters have come back. So Jennifer Beals' character, Alice and Shane. So oh, they're the three main characters that well, have come back. Well, I guess you back. don't need to have seen it, but maybe. No, I think I will go of, back. And Alice plays a lesbian who's like an Ellen DeGeneres character and then Shane is like this really cool rock and roll hairdresser and then Jennifer Beals is like a gallery manager. And then there's this whole generation of like younger queer women and it's just it's really cool. It's really Very fun cool. to watch, easy yeah. to watch. Yep. The L Word on Stan. Thank you for listening to today's Mamma Mia Out Loud. The episode is produced by Emma Gillespie, who's also been doing hosting duties. Thank Thanks you, Emma. Thanks for having Get well me. well soon, our Jesse Stevens, with audio production by Leah Porges and assistant production from Susanna Making. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye. Bye. Shout out to any Mamma Mia subscribers listening. If you love the show and want to support us as well, subscribing to Mamma Mia is the very best way to do so. There is a link in the episode description.